Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2208. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in LaGrange, Georgia, with a very special guest by the name of Mitch Williams. Mitch, welcome back to Cars Yeah, because you're a three-peater now. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I am ready to release the clutch, Mark. Great to be here. Well, have some fun. Now, I should say, are you ready to jam on the brakes? Because you're part of a company now, and you've run many companies as CEO that's all about brakes. And we're going to talk about the company in a moment. But first, I want to ask you this question. What's one little thing that people don't know about Mitch Williams? Uh, I think people don't know that I am a uh, psychologist by trade. And um, it's actually um, it's actually become uh, quite a useful degree to have in the automotive business. Very interesting psychology, CEO running businesses where you have to deal with many moving parts and more importantly, many people, right? Well, I, I discovered along the way because of my passion for cars that businesses all run on the same thing, which is people. And so, you know, in business school, you learn all about P&L and ROI and inventory control and, you know, purchasing and finance and all of that. But at the end of the day, every business runs on people. So I try to spend a lot of time getting the people equation correct. Well, the people equation, this is kind of interesting. And I want to talk about this just for a moment before we dive into what you're doing, because the business world has massively changed. We chatted about this in our pre-show chat list, chat comments about uh, people and finding great people. What's your take on what's happened to the workforce of the world? Well, I think it's, uh, it is very difficult in almost every uh, industry right now to find good people. And uh, it's everything from truck drivers to pilots to food service workers to warehouse workers to really it touches every industry. And I think we're, we're going through a period right now where baby boomers have started to retire. And then the generation after baby boomers is smaller. So we're not replacing workers at the same rate that baby boomers are retiring. So it's going to be tough going for a few years. And then I think then I think we'll get back into larger generations where we'll have the workforce and we'll also have better and better technology like we're using right now to, to sort of augment not being there in person. Right. Many years ago when I was working at Grio's Garage, we used to sell Facome tools and USAG, USAG tools from Italy. And this was mm-hmm. close to 30 years ago. And I toured those facilities over in Europe and I was at the USAG tool company and they were using robots to pick their orders. And it was in this big room where these robots Mm -hmm. moved around. And we see this in a lot of industry. But again, this was close to 30 years ago. And I remember thinking, wow, wouldn't that be nice to just have robots that could pick orders 24-7, wouldn't show up late for work, wouldn't complain, uh, wouldn't cause problems with their other co-workers. I know there's a lot of people out there going, oh, you evil guy, you probably like self-checkout lanes too in stores. Yeah, (laughs) actually I do. However, you know, why not replace jobs that are boring and mundane and provide people opportunities to do things that are a lot more interesting than walking down rows of things and putting items in a box? 
Well, I think that's exactly where the workforce is headed. It's headed to more of a higher tech workforce um, with more technological tools. And probably those are going to be better paying jobs. So I think it's going to a rising tide will float all boats. And that will really supplement the economy as we migrate that way. Oh, absolutely. Well, let's talk about where you are today. All right. Mitch Williams is the division general manager of StopTech, the best in high-performance brakes and part of the first brand's group. He has led several iconic performance industry brands, including Hella, APR, Restoration Parts Unlimited, and of course today he's at StopTech. Mitch has raced sports cars on an amateur and professional level and has run the Baja 1000. He served six terms on the SEMA board of directors and was SEMA chairman of the board from 2005 to 2007. He was selected as SEMA's person of the year in 2001. He founded the SEMA International Task Force and was instrumental in SEMA's engagement in the EV market. He still enjoys track days as his time permits. He's driven across country 40 times and once drove almost coast to coast in 40 hours. Cannonball run guy by himself. Holy cow. He has owned more than 75 cars. He's flown in the Goodyear blimp and he took aerobatic flying lessons. Mitch is an all-around renaissance man. We'll be back in just a minute to learn more about StopTech, but first a word from our sponsors. So give them a little love and we'll be right back. I've enjoyed the quality and variety of Lloyd's floor mats for decades now, and I'm super excited to report that Lloyd's Mat Store is now part of the Covercraft family of products, car care that protects the things that move you. Lloyd's floor mats are the ultimate in quality and fit with carpet mats, all-weather mats, velour techs, Berber, classic loop carpet, and they're proudly made in the USA. They're designed and sewn with the highest of quality and offer custom fitment for almost any vehicle. There's a wide variety of styles, fabrics, and colors to choose from, and hundreds of licensed logos as well. Protect your vehicle's factory carpets from moisture, dirt, mud, snow, slush, anything that Mother Nature can throw your way. All of your options are quality made, easy to clean, they secure to the floor, and they look oh so good. Check out Lloyd's Mat Store for a wide variety of styles, colors, and options for your vehicle today. And I've got a special deal for you. If you use the code CARSYEAH, C-A-R-S-Y-E-A-H, at lloydsmatstore.com, you'll get $10 off. Just use the code CARSYEAH at L-L-O-Y-D. M-A-T-S-S-T-O-R-E.com, LloydsMattStore.com, Covercraft and Lloyd's Mats, protecting the things that move you. When it was time to renew my collector car policy, my carrier raised my rates by a lot. But why? My usage was the same, my car's value was the same, and I had never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. The only change was their rate, and they had no reason why. What's with that? I researched my options, I spoke to others, and with American Collectors Insurance, what a difference. A live person actually answers the phone. She spent time learning about me and provided a reasonable quote. American Collectors Insurance now protects my special ride. I'm saving hundreds of dollars and I can sleep at night knowing my baby is properly insured. Why wait until your next premium is due? Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote. Call 866-AC1-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine. Mark Green at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. 
I've teamed up with AutoGeek because, well, they've been the leading source of auto detailing products, accessories for more than 20 years. Their Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax is specially formulated from Brazilian Carnuba Wax. It's easy to apply on any paint surface and provides that warm glow that we love, especially me on my vehicles. You're going to love it too. A favorite of car shows countrywide, Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax from AutoGeek wipes on easily, requires no drying time, is easy to remove, and provides up to 90 days of protection against damaging environmental contaminants. This wax is designed to exceed the standards of the most discriminating enthusiasts and collectors. Go to autogeek.net to get yours for the best product selection on the internet today, along with their very skilled technical support. Autogeek.net. That's where I go for all my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. So Mitch, you've been around so many automotive businesses. I mean, your time at SEMA is legendary, but I want to talk about this new role today. I love having guests back that are doing new and unique things. You definitely are always on the move, but now you know how to stop. (laughs) So let's talk about, you like the way I did that. Nice pun. Let's talk about StopTech. What brought you to this business and what is StopTech all about? Well, so StopTech is a very interesting uh, business model because we're one of the very few high-performance brake companies that's vertically integrated. And by that, I mean we control everything uh, up to and including the steel foundry that makes our rotors to the mixing compound. Uh, You make brake pads kind of like you bake a cake. It's, It's a bunch of ingredients that go together, and they get molded and baked into what becomes a brake pad. But what you put into that recipe affects the performance of the brake pad and other things like noise and and stopping power and all, all those kinds of things that go into it. So I liked the fact that, that StopTech has a strong background in performance and also that we're vertically integrated. So we can we, we have a lot of options to grow the company and grow the business in different directions. Everything from sports cars and pure racing applications to truck and SUV down to and including armored vehicles. Um, we supply a number of up, up uh, brake kits for up-armored vehicles. Wow. You know, this is pretty cool. And it it seems to be right up your alley because I know you've been involved in racing before. You love to, to drive cars fast. You have a very cool car. You've had many cool cars that drive very fast, but you're Ford GT. When you were at APR, you were kind enough to invite me out to give a little talk to all of your vendors and then take me out to your track where you guys had cars that had APR parts on them. But I didn't know that StopTech was vertically integrated. Let's talk a little bit about the components that make brakes special because a lot of people take brakes for granted. You and I and performance people don't. We love brakes that work really well. Uh, But I'll touch on one thing. I've always had German cars. We've always had BMWs, Porsches, and those brakes on those cars throw a lot of that darn black brake dust and trying to keep cars clean like I do. It makes me insane. And other cars don't do that. I know Mercedes do as well. Can you touch on that a little bit of like, why do these performance cars get dark brakes? You know, well, I kind of get it. It's the recipe, right? Yes. Brake dust is a is a necessary byproduct of stopping. And, and a lot of that's going to depend on the hardness of the pad and the actual compound of the pad. And a softer pad is going to give good brake feel. Um, it's not going to last as long, so it's going to wear longer and wear faster. And therein comes your brake dust. But if you go to a harder pad, then you get not as good cold braking performance. The pad has, like in a race car, the pad has to be warm or hot in order to, to function correctly. And then also on a street car, it doesn't really. It's not so practical to go with a really hard pad 
because you're going to wear out the rotor really almost the same rate you're wearing out the pad. So it, it's a compromise in whatever the performance requirements are of that vehicle. Okay. Well, my brakes, I love my brakes on my German cars, uh, but I don't like cleaning the wheels. So I guess that's just part of my life going forward. <laughs> I, I did have my car coated with ceramic uh, car care products uh, for the first time ever I had somebody else touch my car and it actually makes cleaning so much better so it has gotten easier now I look at your brand and I see it for sale in a lot of different mm-hmm. places do you typically just sell to suppliers who resell it or do you sell direct or is it both well we don't sell direct to the consumer we do sell to direct to consumer um, online retailers also sell to WDs uh, distributor warehouse distributors and then we also have some other brands that I should mention uh, beyond StopTech, we are uh, we're a member of the same group, and we're actually responsible for Raybestos Racing. Um, so Raybestos Racing is a very, very old brand, um, and they are, I would call them sort of the center of brake technology, not only within our companies, but really on a global basis. They have mixing labs, uh, research and development centers, uh, engineering and our racing production is all in McHenry, Illinois, about 30 miles from O'Hare Airport. So, so we've centered our racing production now close to our R&D center, close to our engineers. We have five or six brake dynos up there that we can simulate uh, on-road conditions. And then, of course, we're still doing uh, track day testing. Uh, we'll be at uh, Streets of Willow coming up in early December for on-road testing or on-track testing uh, just to, to see the, the pads perform the way uh, racers expect them to. We also have up there uh, in, in our product portfolio now, Fram Racing and Autolite Racing. Again, two brands that you'll see at uh, traditional uh, automotive retailers, but very, very old, very famous brands and um, very much involved in the high performance industry, both for spark plugs, for filters, and now Raybestos Racing and then StopTech. Very cool. A lot of different options. So if somebody listening out there has a vehicle of of some kind, do you provide brakes for a wide variety of vehicles? Yes. So we have several different levels of friction. We have... uh, (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Different levels of friction. Love it. (laughs) You know, in our industry, we spend so much time thinking about how to go faster. And then the first thing we remember after we go faster is we have to stop faster as well. Yeah. So, So brakes are always right behind horsepower. So we have several different grades of brake pad. We have a, a street pad, which is good for, for normal driving conditions and stopping conditions. Then we have a street select pad, a little bit more driving enthusiasm, a little bit more stopping power. And then we have sport pads, which are for the pretty enthusiastic driver. Uh, maybe they do an autocross or a track day occasionally, things like that. Then we go into full race pads, and we also have a line of truck and SUV pads again, for heavier vehicles and, and for towing and things like that. But, but our pure motorsports pads are under the Raybestos, um, Raybestos Racing brand, and we'll be, we'll be expanding that line and marketing those pretty aggressively in 2023. We, we, it's just now, we're just now getting production up and running in McHenry. I love it. This is really neat. So if I have a listener out there that has different variety of, of cars, let's say, or needs, what are some of the first things that somebody who wants to improve the brakes on their OEM vehicle need to think about? Well, if you upgrade the pads to one compound better than, let's say, OEM, um, you're going to get improved stopping power 
and you're going to get a good pedal feel. Another thing you can do is stainless steel brake lines are a nice way to get a better brake pedal feel, particularly if you're an enthusiastic driver or particularly if you are doing any track time. Assigns will give you your, your pedal a more solid feel. It just gives you greater confidence when you're braking or you know if you're braking hard. Um, so those are two things that, that I would certainly recommend. Then if you get into more serious driving, you have to think about cooling the rotor. And we offer rotors several different ways. We offer slotted rotors, we offer drilled rotors, and then we offer slotted and drilled rotors. You can have kind of three different flavors of rotors there depending on either how enthusiastically you're driving or whether you're doing any track time or not. So if I'm going to modify my brakes, what are the steps I take, to, since you don't sell direct to consumer, to make sure I'm doing the right thing? Is there a, a website I can go to, or do I go to the individual resellers and they have the expertise to make sure I put the right things on my car? You can go to StopTech.com, and there are a number of uh, how-to videos and things like that on there that will kind of walk you through it. But it's... Uh, Replacing brake pads is quite simple because you don't really have to disassemble anything about the brakes other than just the, the very the, the pad retaining system. Uh, replacing rotors, a little bit more complicated because you, now you have to take the caliper off. And then replacing brake lines, of course, you have to know how to bleed brakes. But all of these are pretty routine kinds of service procedures readily available on YouTube in terms of how, how to do them. Well, I always advise if you're going to be playing with your brakes, Get some professional help. I offer this idea. It sounds pretty basic, but when I was in high school. I had a Carmen Ghia, and I thought, oh, I'll learn how to work on my brakes. And I had a date that night, and I was kind of running long. Things were taking longer than I wanted them to, and I thought I had everything buttoned up. And I went in, cleaned up, jumped in my car, went down the road, pushed on my, gap, my, my pedal, and went, this feels kind of funny. And by the time I got to the bottom of the street, the car wouldn't stop. And uh, uh -oh. yeah, so, uh, well, you can guess what I did. I had not tightened one of the bleeder valves and it was just squirting mm -hmm. oil out and depleted everything. And luckily I had some, uh, tools in the car and I fixed myself up. But by the time I got to that date's house and knocked on the door, the, her dad opened the door and said, why are your hands all black? <laughs> <laughs> well, sir, I just redid my brakes so that my evening was, with your daughter would be life. safe. Yeah, that's what I said. And he goes, oh, you're a smart kid. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So seek advice. That's always the way to go when it comes to, well, anything. In yeah, we, car, have a, but, we have a tech support line, too, that you can access that's on our uh, on our website. Ah, perfect. I love it. You know, I like to ask about uh, people who are inspiring to you. You've been inspiring to a lot of people because you've run so many companies. And of course, your involvement with SEMA, which goes very deep. And I think I first, I'm trying to remember when we first met Mitch, it might have been all the way back when you were part of Hella, perhaps, because probably in the early days of Grio's Garage, we sold uh, a Hella horn, which was a really cool. You did. Yeah, yeah, which uh, was Correct. a person in your life that really helped you move through your career. Well, I would say that I'm, I'm a big fan of Theodore Roosevelt, who obviously wasn't in my life, but um, I, uh, I've studied him quite a bit. And he said, in times of great decision, the best thing you can do is to make the right decision. The next best thing you can do is make the is make the wrong decision because you can stop and change it. And the worst possible thing you can do is nothing. So because you're wrong every time. Yeah. So I, I I've always tried to model my business career along those lines. Uh, Henry Ford gave another one of my favorite quotes, which is nothing is particularly difficult if you break it up into small jobs. You know when you're when you're facing a giant new project or opening a new facility or a factory or whatever, it looks like an insurmountable task. 
And then once you start breaking it down into smaller jobs, it, it's really quite manageable. I, I do like those, and I do like those two quotes, especially as they relate to business. You know, as being a CEO and running uh, many companies as you have, when you step into a new company, what are some of the first things you do uh, to get your feet on the ground so that you can be successful in that new role? Uh, great question, Mark. I ask, I schedule a one-on-one meeting with everyone in the company, and I, I ask them, tell me what you love about working here. What's great about working here? Because we don't want to change that. Whatever is really good about working here, we're going to leave it alone. And then I ask the second question, which is, what do you not like about working here? Tell me what's wrong. Um, and you get some great feedback. And, and, uh, and so I walk away. And then the third question I always ask is, okay, you're in charge. You can change one thing, but it has to be a better company uh, with your one change. What do you want to change? And you get some great answers. I, I, I find that a lot of the answers to business challenges that we're looking for are already in the company. They're already in the minds of the people who work there every day. Uh, but what's missing is the vehicle for how do you get that information onto the table? How do you get that information front and center so it's actionable? So I always ask those three questions. I've gotten some great answers and I'll end up with a list of 20 things that's kind of a to-do list that will make it a better company. I go right through the list and I try to, uh, I, I try to, uh, address all 20 things as quickly as possible so that people realize that they're, they're, everybody's important, their input matters, and they can change things that they don't like. I would assume, too, you start to hear the same answers to that second question uh, over and over again, that there's a trend happening with how things need to improve. You do, and you can make a kind of a, a matrix out of that, which tells you if, if you hear the same answer 10 times, pretty good bet it's for real. Yeah, yeah. So, so that moves up the priority list. Absolutely. You know, something else I, I used to do, and it was a friend of mine who taught me this. I would have a meeting with somebody and I would put them in my seat on my side of the desk and I'd sit where they typically sit to change the whole context. And it was amazing to me how it changed their perspective and how more much more freely they would speak versus, oh, I'm in here with the boss. I better be careful what I say. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, like the feeling of going to the principal's office uh, you know, but, but finding the principal wants to sit on your side of the desk. I, I, I never liked going to the principal's office. I didn't either. I did have to go once. I got in a little foray with somebody who he ate my chocolate cake out of my lunch and I punched him. Well, there you go. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's justifiable, I think. Well, I don't know. It was probably the wrong, wrong answer, but he was kind of a, one of those kids that pushed people's buttons. I think a lot of people were happy. Even the principal told me, you know, he kind of deserves what he gets. So, But he goes, let's not hit people anymore. Okay. So yeah, uh, yeah it was a simple deal. So we're going to take a short break. We come back. I've got a few more questions for you. So sit tight, press the brakes. We're going to pull in for a pit stop and we'll be right back. You've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine here on Cars. Yeah, for a couple of years now. Well, they're growing. And in 2023, they're going to grow from four issues a year to six and there's an opportunity here for you to take advantage of this growth. If you go to linkagemag.com and click on the renew button, if you already subscribe, you can get a great deal. Use the code renew6 for one year and you'll get six issues for the price of four or 
Type in Renew12 for two years where you also have a great savings. Plus, they'll even throw in a free Linkage hat. How cool is that? The publisher of Linkage is Donald Osborne. He's been a guest multiple times here on Cars Yeah. He's become a good friend of mine. And I'll tell you, Linkage Magazine is one of those newer magazines that you're going to want to get. It's all about experiences, opinions, and values. It's a wonderful publication, something I look forward to getting. And now that I'm going to be getting six a year, even more special. So go to linkagemag.com. Again, use the code RENEW6 or RENEW12 to get that special deal. Do it before December 31st, 2022, so that in 2023, you'll get six issues of Linkage Magazine instead of four. 20, 50, or 100 years from now, will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, it's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM, which is short for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship, is accomplishing this goal is through workforce development initiatives. The RPM Apprenticeship Program enables the next generation of artisans to earn a living while they learn the craft of restoring and preserving these vehicles directly from industry professionals. The Endangered Skills Program documents the process of masters training future craftspeople on a variety of critical skills in danger of being lost forever. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah! So I like to ask what I call the challenge question. Since you've been on the show a few times, I'm going to reframe this a little bit. When it comes to running companies, is there been a consistent challenge that you've seen in your variety of different roles that when you come into a new company that seems to be, oh, we got to do this again? Has that happened? I think um, every company has, has born leaders in it. And I think, but I also think there's a lot more people in a company that can develop into leaders. Mm. And the more leaders you have in a company, the better. It doesn't matter how big the company is. Um, Leadership is a valuable quality at all levels of a company. Um, You know, if I'm walking through one of our factories and there's a piece of trash on the floor, I, I will make a point of walking over, picking up the trash and putting it in the trash can. That's a form of leadership that any one of us can exercise because yep. I just made it in a very small way. I just made it a cleaner, safer place to work. Yep. So, and, and that sets an example throughout the company when, when everybody's doing that. So I, I'm, uh, I'm not a very good player of individual sports. I'm a horrible golfer, which I can prove if we ever play <laughs> golf together. Okay. <laughs> um, but I, but I, I've always loved team sports and business is just a team sport. So if, if you can engage more and more of the team, and, and make sure that they understand that they have a voice and that they matter and they control how the team will play the game. I think you get a much higher result. So I'm, I'm, where I'm really going with all this is my psychology background because I'm, I'm fascinated by human behavior and people who collectively can perform above and beyond the same performance that any of them can do individually. Um, I think that's a real phenomenon in business that companies need to spend time on and really developing the talent they have. I agree 100%. What would you say 
is the biggest challenge in companies that don't allow people to become leaders. Like what happens in companies where that environment isn't consistent? And it seems kind of obvious now that you've shared this, but a lot of company, a lot of the saying is that people don't leave companies because of their job. They leave because of the people around them. Either their boss is or manager is not a great person or they're surrounded by people that are just allowed to keep being disruptive and, and not helpful. The number one reason people leave their jobs is because of their manager. So I think you have to be uh, the best managers I've ever met. The best leaders I've ever met are servant leaders. Um, and and I, I like to remind people in a company that they don't work for me. I work for them. My job is to deliver on their expectations and hopefully exceed their expectations. So if you are a leader and you realize that you're at any given point, you might not be the most important person in the building. Um, you know, the person who is answering the phone is the first contact with the customer. The person who's putting the right part in the right box and getting it to the customer on time. Those are pretty important people. So I, I think it's that servant leadership that, you know, not to take yourself too seriously. I agree. And and you're right. I've worked in a company where the touch point for the consumer are clients were some of the least paid people. And that doesn't mean that they weren't any good. It's just that maybe the attention to what they were doing wasn't given. And so as a result, they weren't the best at what they were doing and the customers recognized it. And it's kind of funny that it's like when you go into a store and that person working in the store uh, isn't that great. And you kind of think, well, why didn't they train that person better? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And maybe that's changing with the world. I don't, I hope so. But we all encounter very poor customer relations. I just got off the phone with uh, an airline I'm going to be flying here at Christmas time that I've tried four times to get the right answer and I, I can't get it. And it makes me wonder, I wonder who the guys are that are working on the engines on this airplane yeah. I'm going to get in because it's a 20 hour flight. You know, so now, I also, I also um, personally handle every consumer complaint at stop tech, which tells you two things. Number one, we don't have very many. And number two, <laughs> it focuses on making sure we get it right. And whatever it takes to get it right is what we do. Um, and uh, you know, so we, we take, we take that customer's, commitment to us, to, to taking their credit card out and spending money with us, sometimes a lot of money, very, very seriously. And it's kind of a lifetime commitment from us to them. It's a great way to go. It pays off in dividends for sure. You know, you've done a lot of interesting things, Mitch, and I mentioned that in our intro. Aerobatic flying lessons, you flew the Goodyear blimp, you've raced cars and so forth. What's still on your bucket list of some things or one big thing you'd still like to do with your life? Well, I have uh, I, I've had a bucket list for for many many years, and I've been blessed and fortunate to check a, a number of them off the list. But there's a few things I'd like to do. Uh, I would like to hike the entire Appalachian Trail, about 2,100 miles. I've hiked a lot of it, but I haven't hiked all of it. And I'd also like to bicycle across the United States. And um, you know, uh, those are just two things that I've always had on my bucket list that I've never been able to check off. So <laughs> I'm hopeful. Wow. Well, that's cool. So I know you love the outdoors and that definitely would, would get you outdoors. Uh, the Appalachian Trail. Wow. How cool is that? I hope you get to those things. Those are uh, some big endeavors. You're not getting any, any younger, my friend. So you better, you better get to those. I'm, I'm getting a little concerned because I, my, my, another thing on my bucket list is I wanted to drive Formula One for Mercedes, but um, oh. <laughs> they're not returning my phone call. So, yeah, they don't. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think, I, I think I may um, have to 
check that one off the list for the wrong reason. Well, maybe just yeah, they don't they don't return my call either. Maybe just uh, someday you'll get to jump in one of those and <laughs> uh, drive around a track. I'd be happy with that. Now, we like to talk about special vehicles. You've been on the show before and talked about some special vehicles. Is there maybe something new in your life these days? Um, let's see. Well, I'm on my I'm on my third Ford Raptor. Um, okay. so uh, I'm cool. really I'm really kind of uh I drank the Kool-Aid yeah. with Ford, but now they're coming out with the Raptor R, so that's going to that's going to turn my uh my little Raptor procession upside down. I haven't driven one, I haven't seen one, but I can only imagine. And then uh, I just I had a, I just finished restoring and sold a '70 um, Mustang Mach One Super Cobra Jet, uh, so a 428 car, original big block car, R code, uh, factory Hurst four speed. Really a very nice car, but uh, wasn't driving it and needed the garage space. I've got a couple of cars that probably I can never sell just because you know at a certain point you can't replace them. But I make the same mistake every car guy makes, which is we know the cars to buy. We just didn't buy two of them. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And the collector car market has been quite interesting. I mean, it exploded here over the last few years, but it's starting to starting to kind of cool down a little bit in some sectors. Uh, just that happens when you get through these uh, inflation cycles and high interest cycles and things, and uh, it'll eventually come back. You and I have been around long enough to have lived through a, a few of these gyrations. So I always say, you know what, sit tight if you don't have to sell it because uh, things will come back around. So uh, I have a car psychologist degree hanging on my wall somewhere around here. <laughs> I am the car psychologist, and uh, I always ask my guests this question. That is, if you were reincarnated, manifest as a vehicle, what would Mitch Williams be, but more importantly, why? Oh, I'd have to come back as I'd have to come back as as a Ford GT, the 05 and 06 ones, not not the not the current ones. And I think it's because I've been flying a lot lately, and I think I'm up to five times I've watched Ford versus Ferrari, <laughs> and uh, that might be my new favorite car movie. Um, and it's just it, it's such a great story. You know, we we remember the story as a kid, but you you didn't participate in the story as a kid. You know, I indirectly participated in the story because I had a slot car track that had four GT40s on it. And so I I said, well, you know, that's that's my car. One day I'm going to get a Ford GT40. And uh, I did I did all the things you were supposed to do. You know, I I got older, I uh, got married, I got a good job, I went to a good college and, you know, I I developed good skill sets and all that. And I thought, well, Time to buy a Ford GT40. Well, by then, Ford GT40s were, you know, millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. So, so I, I was, I was kind of had the door kind of slammed shut on me there, and uh, so then the Ford GT came along, and I said, well, you know what, this is the next best thing, and in many ways, it's probably a better car than the original. It's certainly more drivable car than the original. Uh, will never be as valuable as the original, but it's valuable enough, and it's it's uh, a blast. They're awesome. I got to drive one of those first gens and on a track actually, and it was just a kick in the rear end. You got to be a little careful though, no traction control. So you can get in trouble on those things. But I like those. I like the new ones as well. But I think the original first gen of those four GTs are really more true to the obviously to the GT40. So yeah, and yours is beautiful. And yours is the way I'd configure mine white with blue stripes. So well, I appreciate that. Yeah. I was I was actually looking for a golf edition, a heritage edition. And, uh, and there is one that was a sister car to mine that's sitting in a collection in West Georgia with eight miles on it. Eight miles? Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> I, 
I've tried to buy it a bunch of times, but it's not for sale. Yeah, so, well, one day it will be. And I don't know if it's still affordable at this point. Well, so. th that that's the variation I got to drive, and um, it, those have really those were limited, so they've become very expensive, and that car has pretty much held its value and increased in value, of course, over time because of the limited nature of it. But uh, pretty amazing that Ford did that and that they did the next gen. Uh, but even the, the Raptor, uh, my next-door neighbor has one. He's had two now. He bought when they first came out, and then a few years later because he went to that uh, Miller Motorsport Raptor school and uh, that convinced him to buy a new one. I, we'll have to see if he gets into the R. I, he just might do it. And, and he drives this thing out at his ranch. He comes home covered in mud. I, I got to hand it yeah. to him. Yeah, it's the way it's supposed so to be. So my, my, fir my first automotive job was working for Gulf Oil. And this was, in, uh, this was just after the Porsche 917, Golf 917s. It was a little few years after the Golf GT40s. Uh, this was when Golf was heavily involved with McLaren at Indy. So, you know, in some ridiculously small way, I thought, hey, you know, I'm working for a racing company. This is cool. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I probably still have my Golf shirt somewhere. Well, cool. Yeah, that'll be worth something on eBay. So how about a great book? Has there been a great book? I, you do fly around a lot. Has there been a great book you've been able to crack open and read you'd like to share? My favorite book of the business world and of the automotive world is The Machine That Changed the World. It's a little bit dated now, but it really is a great history of how, uh, of what happened in, with the American automotive industry that caused us to fall behind the Japanese uh, and to a certain degree behind the Europeans. And it kind of leaves you with, okay, the battle is over and the Japanese auto industry won. But then there's another book called Lean Thinking. Uh, which is by the same authors. And that second book uh, basically finishes the story. And you kind of leave with the impression that, well, you know, America, the American auto industry was down at one point, but it wasn't out. And it's come back in a very, very strong way. There's, there are great quality products coming out of Detroit now. There are great quality products coming out of Europe now. And the Japanese have been making great products, you know, for a long, long time now. So I think what has happened in the automotive industry is that, the bar has been raised for everyone. And part of that is consumer expectations. I mean, we all expect, you know, we expect our cars to run flawlessly and get great mileage and, um, you know, and, and have clean emissions and, and, and to have great performance. So we kind of want it all. And that has put pressure on the automotive industry to deliver it all. Well, they really have. I mean, even not to pick on Ferrari, but for a long time, if you bought a Ferrari, you pretty much never drove it because it's just not reliable. But I've got a friend here in the Northwest that's put over 100,000 miles on his Ferrari, drives it everywhere in the snow, all over the place in a very robust car. So you're right. We we are, I won't say spoiled, but it is the way it is. Cars are just so reliable these days. It's quite phenomenal. I met a guy at a Cars and Coffee recently with a Ford GT, and uh, he has 29,000 miles on it. And he drives it everywhere. And I mean, I'm not sure I'm ready to do that, but, but he's, he said, Hey, it's made to be driven. Yeah, that's true. Well, those books you mentioned are great books. Uh, authors are Roos Jones and Womack. Uh, I'll put those on the show notes page for Mitch here and also on the guest recommended books page on the Cars yeah website. So let's go on the ultimate drive today. I'm hoping I get a little different answer from you this time. I'm going to buy you any car in the world. Park it in your garage and you can take it anywhere and you can go with anybody, even somebody. If you want to take Roosevelt. That's cool uh, on this little drive. So what does the ultimate drive look like for you today, Mitch? I think the ultimate drive for me would probably be um, a Porsche 911 GT3 RS. Nice. It's, it's just to me, 
it's the closest thing to a race car that you can still drive every day if you want to. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's a wonderful car and, and you could argue that it's a timeless design and you could even argue that it's a dated design, but man, oh man, have they, have, have they done a wonderful job of evolving that car over the years? So to me, that's just the ultimate driver's car. Yeah, well, I was at the uh, Quail during Car Week, and they unveiled uh, the new version, uh, basically, of that car, which is was quite phenomenal. Still had a lot of the same characteristics, had kind of a lot of doodads on it, I guess I'll call them, that you know, were part of the deal that might have been too much for a guy like me that likes the old nature, but definitely a nice car. Who would you be with? So I guess I'd like to take somebody with me like um, like a Henry Ford or a Thomas Edison or <laughs> um, even a Carroll Shelby because the things or, – or somebody like a Jim Hall because those people figured things out way before anybody else did. And we still, we still build cars and we still drive cars and cars still work largely in the same way that they figured out. But I would love to hear what they thought – of what we we basically had, have done with their ideas, man, wouldn't that blow them away? Imagine, yeah, <laughs> yeah that would be that'd be. And if pretty... I were if I were if I were flying, I would want to take the Wright brothers with me because airplanes still operate exactly the same way that they figured out, you know, over a hundred years ago. Yeah, and and I would I would love to see their faces when you know uh, when a um, you know uh, a triple seven comes in for a landing. <laughs> no kidding. Oh, that'd be fun. Priceless. Well, you've taken us on another great journey today here, Mitch, and I uh, really appreciate you reconnecting and sharing with my listeners your next evolution in your career, a stoptech.com. I encourage all of you to check out what they offer. You probably already know about them. I've been around for a long time, but uh, now you've talked to the guy in charge. Uh, just part of a massive, wonderful team of people that are creating safer ways for us to stop these days. Could you leave us with maybe a success quote or some words of inspiration i think it was uh i think it was also henry ford that said um if you think whether you think you can or think you can't you're probably right i love that yeah and you are yeah absolutely uh you i use that many many times uh, to stop myself from thinking in a negative way uh to realize that okay i gotta reform my thinking here so I can go where I want to go. Listeners, you can find everything we've shared today on Mitch's show notes page. If you missed my previous talks with him, you can go back and find them. Just type Mitch Williams into the search bar. He was uh, guest number 420 and 683. Today he's 2,208. My goodness, I've talked to a lot of people, but that's what makes what I do yeah. so much fun. Mitch, thanks for sharing so much time with us today and sharing your world with us. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you fully stopped down the road. Thank you, Mark. Been great. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.